Greetings everybody. It's a blessing for me to come to you today and bring you the gospel of God's grace. You've joined Dynamic Love Ministries Sunday live stream wherein we're going to be talking about justification, righteousness and faith. What is this? We're going to define this in the uh, within the parameters of the family logic of God, where God is the Father, we are His children, where those terms are defined inside the, the framework of family and not the law, legalism, judgment, punishment, and so forth. Well, let us just pray together. Father, thank you so much that we can be together today. Thank you that we can share your gospel, the good news of your grace. And that people can hear this, that I can share in this, and that we as a family can gather around your truth. Thank you for empowering us, justifying us with your life. Thank you that you've come to give evidence of uh, who you are inside our lives by giving us your fruit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Spirit of God, thank you that you powerfully uh, speak through me today and touch the lives of people. Amen and Amen. I would like to welcome everybody that is slotting in for the first time as well as our regular viewers. It's an honor to serve you today with the gospel. Now as our custom is, we're having communion together and we're going to do this from Romans chapter 3 verse 21 today. And this is also going to beautifully flow into the message that I have today. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness of it. Now listen to this. Now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness of it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Now, when we look at this, um, it, it is so powerful to say that the righteousness of God is manifested apart from the law. Now when the Bible talks about the righteousness of God here, it talks about the condition wherein somebody has to be in to fulfill what he has promised or we can say the condition or the attributes that a person must have in order to bring forth salvation to people that are dying. That life of God was manifested and made available to all people without the law. It says here the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Or we can also say the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, which is for all who believe upon him. That is what it is. <clears throat> okay, then um, we're going to just verse 23 quickly. It says, for all have sinned fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. It says here that we are justified by grace as a gift by grace as a gift that's how we are justified not by our works but by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in jesus christ who god put forth as a propitiation by his blood 
to be received by faith. Who God put for, uh, forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. Now, when we look at the blood of Jesus Christ, when we look at what he has accomplished for us, we are saying that his body was broken. His body was broken, talking about the old body and the crucifixion and the death and everything. And then his blood also flowed for us. But I believe that this blood doesn't talk about what happened in, under the old. It talks about what happens under the new. Um, for the blood talks about his life. His life was made available for us. So he died and then he rose again. And that with his life, he sprinkled the heavens and he went and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And that his life, the life of the resurrected Jesus, is now made available for us. For the covenant is in his blood, meaning the covenant is, if I've raised Jesus from the dead, his blood flowed, he gave his life, and I restored his life. His life is now uh, made available for all of us. So he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the one that has come to wash away our sins and give us his life. So as we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, we do that in remembrance of the finished work, in remembrance of what he's done for us. Amen and amen. Let us pray together. Father, thank you so much for giving Jesus. And Jesus, thank you so much for being willing to be obedient even unto death. Hallelujah. And then having the peace that you know you shall be raised from the dead and that you've come to give us that peace. We partake of your body and your blood and we are saying that we are the new creation. The old have passed away. Everything has become new. Amen and amen. Let us enjoy the communion together.
Today we are going to be looking at what righteousness is, what justification is, and then also faith and to have peace with God. Now I'm going to explain to you, and I'm just going to give a summary right now, so those of you that want a very short message, after this summary in the next minute, uh, you're going to have the essence of what I'm going to say today. I'm going to explain that righteousness is a condition that you are in which wherein you are right or as you ought to be in order to receive salvation as a free gift which is the condition wherein you believe in god that is righteousness righteousness is not determined by the law righteousness is determined by having faith in god okay then justification justification um, i'm going to explain today as to be treated according to your righteousness or to manifest evidence that believing in God is the right thing. So justification is the act wherein God manifests evidence that you that are righteous, meaning those that believed upon him, that they were right and correct in believing in him, which would then be the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so righteousness is to have, uh, to be in the condition where you trust or believe in God. So when God says, I'm going to do a miracle for you, and you believe Him, what's the right thing to do or the right condition to be in when God has made you a promise? You believe Him. What is justification? Justification is something that now happens from God's side. And that is him providing evidence or proof that you are right in believing him. And that would be signs that it would be right in today's term, which we would call the fruit of the Spirit. Faith, faith is simply uh, to, to have a heart that says, I'm fully persuaded that what God has promised, he can do. And then peace we're going to explain as the emotion inside a person or the, the feeling and condition which know, wherein you know the, the feeling that goes with it and the condition you are in when you know that what God has promised will happen. There's, a, there's an emotion that flows with that tranquility. There's a peace about the whole thing. And I would say it's the same peace as what you would have that your parachute would open should you pull that ripcord. So uh, it, it is, it is a, 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 not the confidence. There's a confidence that God will raise us from the dead, but there's also a peace that goes with it. Therefore, there's a tranquility where I'm not confidently go, or constantly going to try to bring that forth. So um, I'm going to explain righteousness, justification, faith, and then what it means to have peace. Uh, now, I would like to go and read. I've got the wrong slide. Slide 3 is in the wrong place. Uh, Ileana, we're going to go to slide um, 4. We're going to slide 4. And then later, I think lastly, we'll go to slide 3 there. Okay, so uh, slide 4. Let us read from verse 19 to 25. It says, And being not weak in faith, 
he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he promised he was also able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, um, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Okay, now when we look at this passage, it is loaded with words that, um, that gives context to our Christian faith. You know, when we look at words like justification, righteousness, faith, uh, salvation, and so forth, we've had a legalistic mindset about those things. Uh, righteousness would be defined as the law cannot find anything wrong with me. But should the law find something wrong with me and I want to stand righteous for, before the law, then we have to look at what the law concludes about disobeying the law and that would be punishment then we have to say and define righteousness as being in jesus where jesus is seen as innocent since the father has already punished our sins in jesus and raised him from the dead we have a legalistic way of looking at it now i do believe that we need to eradicate all the legalistic ways of defining terms like righteousness justification, salvation, and all those kind of things. And the reason for that would be the more we define things in legal terms, the further our hearts drift from trusting God. When we look at things like faith and justification and righteousness and peace from the perspective of family logic, we will find our hearts rest in God. We trust God. Um, we have a view about God which is, uh, how can I say, it, it is a wonderful setting for having peace with Him where you become whole and healthy in reading the scriptures, understanding what, what God has done for us. Okay, so the first word we're going to look at there is the word righteousness. So righteousness, uh, and I want, want us to go to slide five there, and let us look at the definition of Thyre. It says, in a broad sense, the state of him who is as he ought to be, righteous, the condition acceptable to God. Okay, now we can easily say, you know, a condition acceptable to God is if we love people, if we are kind, if we bear the fruit of the Spirit, if we do all these good things. But is that true? Um, we have to look at the condition of man and the context wherein righteousness is defined. God came and made a promise to man in the beginning. And when God made the promise, those who believed the promise was worded or said to be righteous. We see that in the case of Abraham, and we will look a bit more in depth uh, on that. So 
righteousness is basically the condition you ought to be in acceptable to God. Now, what is the condition that is acceptable to God in the light of the context of God making a promise to us of eternal life? What is acceptable to God? Acceptable to God would not be you going into effort trying to produce life because you will not be able to do it. You don't have the ability to do it. You, you simply not write uh, I mean, if God promises you eternal life and you are a being that does not have eternal life and you want to attain unto eternal life by your own works, the harder you try to have the life of God and to live like God, the more you are not righteous before him or not in the condition that he wants you to be in. The condition God wants you to be in is he makes you a promise and you believe him. When you believe that God can keep his promise, that condition is then called, according to God, as you ought to be. Or, as we have seen there in the Greek, um, it's defined as the condition acceptable to God. So if God says, I promise you uh, eternal life, I promise you the fruit of the Spirit, what would be a condition that is acceptable to God? The condition would be to trust God was like Abraham. Abraham couldn't have children. Sarah was barren. They became old. His body was now about dead. Sarah's womb was long dead. And God came and made a promise to them that he would be the father of many nations and that he will have a son born from Sarah, his own son born from Sarah. What would be an acceptable condition according to God for Abraham. The acceptable condition would be that Abraham believe God. If he believes God, that God can perform that, that is then called righteous. It's got nothing to do with Ten Commandments, it's got nothing to do with the law. Can you see that righteousness in Abraham's case long before the law could be ascribed to somebody long before there were laws and commandments, ten commandments or any of those things. You can be declared righteous without having a law that has ever declared you guilty or not guilty. So righteousness in the Bible is not defined in are you guilty or not guilty? And does Jesus make you not guilty? And if Jesus could be punished for you, you can be not guilty. Therefore, uh, if you are in him, you are righteous because, you, because your sins were punished. No, we find that righteousness is defined in Romans chapter 4 by Paul as the condition a person finds himself into in when he believes that God can fulfill his promise. So righteousness is, uh, let's make it practical. If you go and stand, the other day I saw people, uh, you know, a video of people jumping down Table Mountain with these wingsuits and parachutes and all those kind of things. And on the one side of, uh, I think it's Signal Hill, you can jump down and do paragliding. Now imagine you stand on the cliff and you want to paraglide. And you want to, I mean, you want to jump down there, that chute must keep you. But you've got no suit on. You just stand there with your t-shirt and your jeans and your flip-flops. 
and you now going to jump down, you're going to do paragliding. You are not in the condition that you have to be in in order to do paragliding safely. You're not even having a suit on you. You don't even have the, the parachute on you. You need to have that on. Once you have that on, you are in a condition or you will be declared righteous by the instructor there or by the people that's got that company that, that does that and, and help you to safely paraglide down the mountain. Now, the only way you can be declared righteous or as you ought to be is if you are clothed in everything you have to be clothed in now when god made us a promise of eternal life the only thing we need to be clothed in in order to have eternal life is trust in him so when we have trust in him that means we are then uh, uh, as we ought to be right so justification, I want to go to justification, um, but let us just read, this is slide 3 again, Helena, if you can put that on, I want to read again from verse, uh, sorry, not slide 3, slide 4, I want to read from verse 21, it says, Romans 4, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Can you see there? Because he was fully persuaded that God could do what he has promised, it was imputed. Imputed, um, let, let me discuss imputed just quickly. Imputed means, um, it doesn't mean something is given to you that doesn't belong to you. No, the word imputed there is from directly from the word le, uh, logos, which means to a word over your life, spoken about you. Uh, like if you would be an Israelite and you wanted to be righteous, what you had to do is, or if you wanted to be righteous in the Old Testament, you had to be a Jew, then you had to obey the law. But the first thing is, the, the greatest righteousness was in the flesh. You had to be a Jew. And then you kept the law. And that was the righteousness of, and Paul even talked about the righteousness of the law. He was of the stock of israel and all those kind of things so the righteousness of the law was are you a jew are you of the right tribes and so forth and then from there once you were righteous in your flesh you had the freedom to go and obey the law and then you could stand then you either obey or disobeyed the law the ten commandments and so forth but righteousness was in the flesh you had to be an israelite the condition that you had to be in, in order for the promises that was made to the nation of Israel to be given to you was, you had to be an Israelite. So, if you were an Israelite, and you were circumcised, then it was worded that you are righteous, you, you, you are as you ought to be, to have the inheritance that was promised to Israel. Let me use another example. If if you want a work permit in if you want to work in America and get a salary there, uh, the first thing you have to be is you have to be an American. If you want to do it legally, you have to be an American. Other people need to go through other processes to get a work permit. So if you are an American then you don't need any other permits. You're already qualified. You are righteous or as you ought to be to go and apply for a job. But if I'm a South African 
if I look at my son, if he applies for a visa to go to America to go and do video work there, he's got to apply for a visa, then he's got to get uh, people that offer him a job, and there's got to be so many things that fall in place for him to legally get a work. Now, once he has qualified in everything, then it would be worded to him that you are now in the condition that you need to be in in order to apply for a job or to work in America. In the very same way, if you if you wanted to wanted the promises and the protection that God promised Israel, you had to be an Israelite. And that would be your righteousness. It would be worded, you are right as you ought to be to enjoy what the, the, the benefits. The same way, if God made you a promise, you had to, uh, it was, and you believed him, it was imputed or worded. We've seen imputed as something given to us that doesn't belong to us. That is not right. That's a wrong way of looking at that word. Imputed simply means it is worded. It is acknowledged that it is, that, that you are in the right. So when you believe God, you are in the right. It says, now it was written, Verse 23 there, for not for his sake, Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but for us sake, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Okay, so what is he saying here? It says that Abraham believed God and then it was worded about Abraham, imputed means, just means worded. It was worded about him. It was said, that's a better way. It was said about Abraham that he was as he ought to be. Why? Because he trusted God. He believed the Father. That was the right thing to do and the right condition to be in is to believe God. Now it says it wasn't only written to Abraham that it wasn't written down just that we could know that Abraham had the great benefit that he believed God and that was the condition he had to be in in order to have what God has promised him. It says this was written to whosoever afterwards would also believe God. And what Paul is doing here in Romans 4, he's setting up the Gentiles for blessing through faith. So what he's saying is God has made a promise to both Jew and Gentile that he will give them eternal life by raising Jesus from the dead. And he said that you were both sinners, Jews and Gentiles. Jesus became sin. He took your death upon him and he was then raised up from the dead and now raised up as Lord over the sin and death of all people, so that whosoever, be they Jew or Gentile, believe that the resurrection of Jesus means that they shall also have the resurrection. Those who believe that, they are righteous, because that is God's promise now to all people. So righteousness is not by the law. Righteousness is then by simply believing God. Um, now, we, we, we want to look at justification, but understanding the imputation as a wording, understanding the righteousness as the condition wherein you believe God, uh, we can now go and look at what justification would be. Let us just put slide six on, and we're going to just look at the definition of justification and then go to the scripture and explain this. 
Justification means to render righteous or as he ought to be. And then point two is what I really want to um, get into because that's the explanation of point one. To show, exhibit evidence. Uh, uh, I don't know what that word exactly means. So what he says is to show, to put um, on exhibition, to show forth, to manifest, to bring forth one to be righteous as he ought to be or wishes himself to be considered to declare or pronounce one to be just righteous or as he ought to be okay uh, now if we look at this word where you are bringing an evidence of truth or you also bring an exhibition of truth or a show or bringing forth as right you know in believing what would that mean god has promised abraham that he would give him a child abraham believed god that he uh, that god can fulfill what he has said then after abraham believed god what i mean that is right that was the right thing to do now what would be just in the case of somebody believing another that has given him a promise what is just the just thing would be for god to manifest his promise so justification would then be by the ability of god to keep his promise and justification would then be to give abraham an heir a child that would be the justification so righteousness is it first starts with a promise you believe the promise that means you're in the condition you ought to be in in order to receive what was promised then the just thing that that should take place should people have believed is for this righteousness to be put on display and said that it is right that he believe it is the correct thing and that would be to put some evidence or to put on exhibition uh, to bring forth the fulfillment of the promise by the ability of the man who made the promise simple example if i promise my son a car then what happens is it right for him to believe me well if i promised him the right thing would not be for him to go and try and buy his own the right thing would be for him to trust me and believe me and then what would be just should he have believed me it would be just to bring forth the promise to bring forth what i have promised him and that would be the justification so he believed and was it right to believe well i'll have to be justified by the one that made the promise and how will he be justified how would it be right that he has believed only by the fulfillment of the promise now we go again back to slide number four there now we look at verse 24 and 25 but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised jesus our lord from the dead 
So it says here, verse 24, that we will also be righteous if we believe on him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Then you'll see a semicolon, because now verse 25 is going to explain what verse 24 is saying. Who was delivered for our offenses, and he was raised again for our justification. Okay, now, the Bible says that if we believe on the Father that raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be declared righteous. Who was this Jesus that was raised from the dead was not just raised from the dead for no reason. He died and entered our sin. He, he entered death on account of our death and then was raised again for our justification. What would be the justification? It would be the manifestation of the promise. Now, if the resurrection is the manifestation of the promise, what is the promise? Eternal life. So God promised eternal life to people that were dying. Jesus came, he entered death, so that he can be raised from the dead, so that we can be justified by his resurrection. How will we be justified by his resurrection? If we believe that the Father has promised us eternal life and that we will have it, we believe that. The moment we've believed that, we are as we ought to be. We are in the condition wherein we are safe, where we will safely receive what God has promised. Should we continue in this faith and believe in this truth, what would be just? It would be just for God to give us eternal life. How would he do that? Jesus died and he was raised for our justification. So a man, Jesus, was declared Lord so that this Lord Jesus can now rule over my sin and my death and bring me forth flooded with eternal life. That is called justification. From there, we're going to go, I didn't put the verse on there, but in Romans 5 verse 1 it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with, uh, with God. Now, how are we justified by faith? We've just explained that. And, and let me just touch on it quickly um, in the context of Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, by simply relying upon God, we will have the manifestation of the promise. Since this is the way it's going to work, we now have peace with God. We have peace with Him. Now, if we go and look at, um, you know, this is slide 3 there, at peace, we're going to see in verse 27, it says, John 14, 27, But peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard I've said of you, I go away and I come unto you again. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I've said I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. Okay, now. There's so much depth in this passage, especially if you read from verse 23. But when we look at peace, he says here that 
since we are justified or since we now have the power of God or the ability of God to keep his promise, which is called grace. Since we are now under the influence of God's power to keep his promise and that power justifies us with eternal life, we now have peace with God. The very same peace Jesus had. Do you know that Jesus had peace that he would be raised from the dead? He had absolutely peace. Absolute peace. He had the peace that he will be raised from the dead. He had peace that should he enter death, the Father would raise him from the dead. And he said, that peace I give unto you. I give unto you the same state of tranquility. One of the words for peace is the word felicity. You've got felicity. You've got exceeding joy inside your heart. An absolute state of tranquility in your heart. Because you know that the Father made us a promise and then he has to justify we've believed him and now what is just must take place. So the Father is already now by the Holy Spirit exhibiting and putting us on display that we were right in believing that he can give us eternal life by bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. As we believe that we shall have eternal life by the resurrected Jesus, the justification process starts. It starts by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit then brings forth love and peace and joy and all those things in our life, which is the first display that we are being justified by the Spirit or the life of God and not ourselves. So we are justified with good works. It's unjust if we don't have good works. It is just if we have good works. And it is for God to justify us with the fruits of righteousness leading unto eternal life. That means that it is God's job from the moment that we believe and have the hope of the resurrection, that from that moment his spirit will start to bring forth evidence or justification in the form of the fruit of the spirit leading unto the justification of the resurrection. This state where we know that God brings forth fruit, God brings forth eternal life, is called peace. That is called peace. And that is what God has promised us in Jesus. Let us go and now with that in mind, read from verse 23. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Okay, let's stop there. Let me explain verse 23. Verse 23 is already alluding to John 17 where it says that this is eternal life, to know the Father and the Son. He's talking about the Father and the Son coming to make their abode with you. This is referred to in John uh, in the first letter, the first, uh, first, first John, where he says that, um, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, and the context is the resurrection, the bodily resurrection. So he says here that if a man loves me, he'll keep my words, and my Father will love him. 
How will the Father love him? By making his abode with him. In Jesus' mind, he was thinking of the bodily resurrection. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. So the Father has come and made his abode in Jesus in the resurrection. Therefore, we see the Father and the Son as one, one God. We see that they became one. And now it says that we will now, we who are in eternal life, we will make our abode with you. He that loves me, uh, uh, he that loves me not, keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, listen to this now, the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I have said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto my father. My father is greater than I. Okay, what he's saying is this. He says, I will, the father and I will come and make our abode with you. Now, Jesus knew, if you go and read the rest of John there, if you read on, he's, say, he's talking about the enemy coming and that he's going to die. Jesus is going to die. But he has peace. What peace does he have? That he'll be going unto the Father. Is he referring to his spirit there? No, he's not referring to his spirit. He's referring to his resurrection and where he would bodily go unto the Father. And then when he says, I will not leave you alone, but I will send you the comforter, doesn't mean that Jesus has now come back in the form of a spirit, the Holy Spirit. No, he says, my Father will send the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. He says, but the Father and myself will still come to you. But this spirit that I've sent will remind you of everything that I have said. And I want to tell you my peace, the peace that I will be one with the one that's greater than me, meaning that I will have eternal life is now yours as well. Believe me. Believe me. So the Bible says in Romans 5 verse 1, it is not on the slides, but I'm going to read it quickly here for you. And I'm ending off with this. Um, it says, uh, I want to read in verse, in the King James. And therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified, being in the place where God exhibits, puts us on display, bring forth evidence, bring forth the fruit of his promise in us now, starting from the day you believe, and it will be fulfilled in the bodily resurrection. Being justified by simply saying, as Abraham said in Romans in, in chapter 4 there, that I believe that what God has promised, he can fulfill. Believing that, by that you are declared righteous, and by that being in that condition, you are being justified by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
with the fruit of the Spirit leading into eternal life. And that is how we have peace with God. We have peace with God. What is the peace that we have with God? It's the tranquility that we have with Him, together with Him, or also towards Him. I've got my peace is towards the one that will fulfill the promise in raising us from the dead. Verse 2 says, By whom also you have access by faith into this grace wherein you stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now I'll speak about that next week. There's too much to say about that. So let me summarize. Um, it's like I know I have repeated a lot of what I've said. But like Paul says, it's expedient for you to hear this again. It's expedient for me to hear it again. Righteousness means the condition where you simply believe him. Justification is the manifest is, is the is where God says it was just for you. It is just to believe in me. So let me start to bring forth fruit. Faith is to simply believe that God manifests uh, 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 that God can do what he has promised. And then peace is the tranquility that's in your heart and in your life because you know that God can keep his promise. In, I mean, we've got that peace rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. So we have peace with God through simply what Jesus has done. So none of these terms is defined by the law. You will see that I've not used the Ten Commandments or the law once to define any of these terms because righteousness, peace, grace, uh, uh, the kindness of God, the forbearance of God, all these things doesn't need the law to define it. It needs a loving father as the foundation from where we can define all these things. So let us pray together and just acknowledge our faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I want to thank you that I can sit here today and that I can pray with people that are watching me today and that we can acknowledge that you have promised us eternal life. And we today acknowledge that you are able to bring it forth. You have put it on display when you raised Jesus from the dead. We believe you. We believe that you can do what you have promised and we are not considering our bodies now showing signs of weakness we're not considering our situation we are considering you and now we have the expectation and the confidence that justification the proof of us not being wrong to believe you manifests in our lives by love in our hearts for our neighbors where we start to see the first signs of your life, which is a life of love and generosity and kindness and, and, and faithfulness and all of that. And we have peace in our hearts towards you, Father, that we shall have the Father and the Son live with us in his fullness. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want to thank you so much that I could serve you with this message today. Know that God loves you dearly and that he cares for you all the time. I will see you again 
Monday as I do some short messages encouraging you in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have been remade with forever glorified. Oh, what a release, what beautiful peace. A marvelous leave called us yours. We're forever in your eyes. So we We are, we are